So just a, a reminder, uh, we're, we've been taking a, a break last week and then this week from the Gospel of Luke, and we'll continue, we'll dig back into that next week, uh, and that will take us out through uh, pretty much the entire spring um, as we look at the Gospel of Luke. But we are not diverting from that idea of what we see in this Gospel is that Jesus came to restore and redeem and gather a people made in his image who would take up uh, the Missio Dei, the mission of God, that we would understand who we've been created to be and then how we are to live our lives for God's glory and for the sake of the world. And so last week, uh, we took a lot of time, we kind of went through the symbols, the six symbols of the true unfolding story. I don't know if we still, yeah, we do have that. And so um, would really encourage you, if you were not here last week, go back, listen to that podcast. It'll give you a little bit of a grounding of where we were last week and how the gospel, the good news of what God has done in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ in his life, death, and resurrection of restoring the whole of, of humanity and all of creation. And so we kind of went through those symbols again, and we find ourselves in that fifth act of God's true story, that we are the church today called to live out our role, our identity found in Jesus. And so we say here at Missio that we are a family of servant missionaries learning to follow Jesus in all of life. So we kind of broke down last week what these identities were, and I just want to recap those really quickly for you. And we gave you this diagram of three circles that connect together, and um, we, we said that with these three circles, we want to be formed by the gospel, which is our identity in Christ, and then that truth of who we are in Jesus is to be lived out within a body, a community of like-minded followers who are also children of God like we are in Christ. And then that community is then to live together on God's mission, engaging in the Missio Dei as we take the good news of Jesus in word and deed, in language and in life, to all those whom God has placed in our lives and wherever he's placed us. So whether that's your, your workplace, your community, your neighborhood, the coffee shops that you frequent, that we are called as the people of God to bring the good news of God to bear in all of life, in the everyday stuff of life. So real quickly, just a recap of those four identities. We said that we are family. So what is true of us in and through Jesus is when we trust that Jesus is the only way to God, the way, the truth, and the life, then we are now, as Scripture tells us, adopted into the family of God. And if we're adopted into the family of God, what does that make us? Children of God, right? And then for those who have been adopted into the family, we are now brothers and sisters. And so we are the family of God, not living life solo, but living together as a family should, as a united, healthy family should. And so we say that for those of us who are family, we are children of God who care for each other as family because the Father has adopted us. So we are a family of servants, and we said that we are servants of Jesus who serve him by serving others. And because Jesus, the ultimate servant, gave his life for our sake, we now take up that call that we are now servants of each other and servants of the, those around us. 
And we're also missionaries. We said that we are sent ones, empowered by the Spirit that now dwells in us to show and to tell the good news of Jesus to a watching world. So we are adopted, we are children, we are servants of the Most High in each other, and we are missionaries in the everyday stuff of life, bringing the good news of Jesus and word and deed to whoever God brings into our life. And we also said our fourth identity is that we're also learners. We are learning to walk in the ways of Jesus. We're growing more and more in discipleship, growing more and more to look like Christ. And we have a long way to go. We talked about that last week. Like some of us are, are learning more than others, and this is a space in a church family where we can come and we can learn as the Spirit is guiding us. But that's the point, that we all want to look more and more like Christ. And to, as Paul says, to be filled with the knowledge of God, the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ flowing in and through us as we learn how to be a better parent, how we learn to be a better colleague, a better neighbor, a better son or daughter, whatever that looks like, we're learning to walk in the ways of Jesus in all of life. So those four identities is what is true about us because we are in Christ. And we talked real briefly about the fact that our being, who we are, then will translate in our doing, not the other way around. Right, Because that's what the world tells us is true about us. It's like, you will be accepted by God if you do all the right things. If you have the right behavior, then God will give his favor to you. But the good news, the gospel, flips that and says, because of the perfect work in life of Jesus, that now in him we have a right standing with God. Another way of saying that, the Bible tells us, is that we are now righteous with God right in God's eyes, not because of our work, but because of Jesus' work. And family, I am just convinced that when we truly understand our true identity in Jesus, that we are family, we are servants, we're missionaries, we're learners, when we realize that that's Jesus' work for us, and we get to now live everyday life in light of that, it's freedom, it's joy, the pressure's off of us to try to perform and outdo what we did yesterday so that we're going to be in more favor with God. Is there obedience? Absolutely. Absolutely there is. We're commanded to obey. But when you realize that your eternal salvation and your life even here in the present isn't determined on what you do, it's what Jesus has done, there's freedom in that. That is why the gospel is good news. It's good news. And so what we're going to spend time doing today is we're going to say, okay, how now does that truth of who we are, those four identities now lived out, that's that gospel formation. We are formed in our identities, understanding who we really are in Jesus. How does that now get lived out together in the context of community, then outwardly on God's mission? And so if you look at this diagram we said last week, and uh, Brady, why don't you go ahead and give me the, the next slide there. I think we can write here. We said that this formation is the up, community is the in, and mission is the out. Okay, so all three of these are significant for the life of disciple. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that actually looks like. All right, let's turn, though, to Luke 24 right now. 
did anybody ever like when you're reading books just go like I, I wonder how this ends and like flip forward to the the last chapter the last page is gonna well, let's see how this ends real quick no I'm the only impatient okay Steve yeah I figured figured you'd be there with me so this is kind of what we're doing as Wade said we're going through Luke as as a family right now but we're skipping ahead to the end of Luke to see more directly what our role is in this story uh, and so the end of Luke and then the beginning really of his second part it's a two volume work which is Acts uh, and so we'll, we'll be going to Acts 2 verse 41 in a second so be ready for that but Luke 24 starting in verse 44 and you know how in courtrooms they will arise for the judge out of reverence and so uh, we want to now, in reverence, if you are able to, please stand with us as we read God's word. So Luke is writing about uh, the time that Jesus has reappeared after rising from the grave, conquering death. He's reappeared to his friends, his disciples. Verse 44, he told them, these are his disciples, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, that's all of the Old Testament, the scriptures that they had at that time. Everything written about me in that must be fulfilled, Jesus says. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my Father has promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. We see that Jesus is telling them to proclaim the good news. He is sending them as witnesses, and he is giving the power of his spirit to do that work. So now Acts 2. And verse 41, this is after... They've waited for that promised sending of the Spirit. The Spirit has come upon them, and immediately they go out, and Peter starts preaching to thousands of people. And in verse 41, we see, so those who accepted his message were baptized, and baptism symbolizes a new identity. They were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is God's word. You can be seated. So last week, we read that, and we broke you up into groups, and we said, talk about where you see these identities that we mentioned in the scripture, in the text. How did this early church, the first followers of Jesus, live out being a family of servant missionaries learning to walk, to follow Jesus in all of life? And so you guys came up with some great answers to that. But this week, we want to take some time and go, wait a second, we're part of this story now. Remember, as Wade pointed out in those six symbols, that fifth symbol of moving forward and pointing forward to the coming of Jesus again, where he makes all things right again, 
That's the part of the story that these people in Acts were in. And it's still the part of the story you and I are in today. That we still are being empowered. If we follow and trust in Jesus, we're being empowered by his spirit to do the things he's called us to do and to be the people he's called us to be. And so I would love to hear, you know, from time to time, we, we share what's called evidences of grace. So we hear from one another, how has God shown his goodness, his grace to you this week? I would love to hear how he's done that specifically in light of this, of what we just read. And so the question is, how have we, as God's people, empowered by his spirit, by his grace, lived out a little bit of what this looks like? How have you lived out, or maybe other people have done this for you, maybe they've served you, maybe they've loved on you, maybe they just spoke good news to you. Uh, Maybe your community got together, your missional community, and lived this out in some way. The breaking of the bread, the devoted to the fellowship and the teaching and prayer and speaking good news. How has this been lived out in the last couple weeks? I'm going to give you the last couple weeks just in case you didn't do it the last seven days, okay? And so let's share. This is evidence of God's grace. It's his spirit at work in us. It's not bragging. How have we seen the church live this out the last couple weeks? And right about now, it's said, and they're like, oh, he really wants us to talk. All right, John. feel the same way, Monica? Okay, here. <laughs> Can you confirm that? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, living it out awesome. in our workplace. So cool. What else? How have you guys been family to each other? It's probably as big as the amount of people in this room right now. I don't know how that works. Long time, yeah. Is that the language you used? Uh, okay. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. <laughs> 
Uh, I love that. Just, yeah, the taking a hold of this is our missionary identity. Um, you've been great family to each other for years, but how do we open up the doors to this home and allow more family to come in? Yeah. How do we make space for new people to, to come and know Jesus yeah. and the community guy? And I think there's another thing, too, with family is that sometimes for the health of the family, you got to let others go, right? So because you know that's going to be healthy and it's going to be moving and it can be hard <clears throat> to do, especially if you've been in a missional community and you've been there for a while and then you're, you're, you're saying for the sake of the gospel, we want to multiply and let people be sent out. And that's kind of hard to do. But a lot of times that's good for family to do well as well. So it's a good illustration of that. Bethany? shared meals with them. We may not be the coolest MC, uh, but there's still good stuff going on. Maybe one more. Tammy. Yeah, that's what Acts 2 talks about. They had all things in common. By the way, if, if you didn't know, like, if that doesn't mean that they agreed on everything. Like, they had all things in common. Like, oh, we, we belong to the same political party and all that. It's they, the things, their, their physical stuff they had in common. They shared their possessions. And so it's a beautiful picture of that. You guys, be encouraged. Like, God is at work in this small little community of people. Uh, and he's at work in us to knit us together as a family, but he's at work in us also to open up this community to the people around us. And that's, that's good news. It's because of the good news. Uh, Brady, if you can go back to the slide with the, the three circles there. It's because of the gospel that we are being formed into a community sent on God's mission. And I want us to understand this, that this is not... This is not uh, something that we can kind of like pick and choose one of those circles that we like. This is something that is happening and unfolding all at once. So oftentimes we, we feel like we got to like do things in steps, right? You, you have to pass your driver's test before you get your license before you can start driving. At least hopefully that's mm. the way you did it. Uh, but this is not a three-step process. This is not you get formed in the knowledge of, of the gospel by studying scripture. And then when you got that down, you can come be part of our community. And then when you are part of this community, then like maybe if you're like the top tier Green Beret Christian, like you can start going out on mission now. That's not the way that this works. It's not the way that Jesus did that with his community, with his missional community. No, it doesn't use that phrase in the Bible, I know. But he took a few people 
And he lived with them day in and day out for three years. And he was forming them in the good news of the kingdom all along. But he also was taking them along with him in mission, going and feeding the hungry and healing the sick and caring for the poor. They were doing this right next to Jesus along with him as he was forming them in the good news of what this is what the kingdom looks like. Restoration and healing of all things. And they were in community with him at the same time. And so this is what we're striving for, imperfectly, of course, because we're still sinners in need of grace and in need of uh, just submitting our own sinful desires to the power of the Spirit daily. But this is what we're striving for, is that sweet spot where all three of those things overlap and connect. We need all of them. So rather than a three-step process, it's like three ingredients. If you take out bananas, you no longer have banana bread. Right? If you take out sugar, it's going to be some nasty banana bread too. So, I don't know, some of you have tried making sugarless banana bread. So I don't mean to offend you. But uh, you need flour. Okay, we got, now we got gluten-free. This analogy is breaking down, but you get the point. So we, we need all three of these things. Gospel formation, gospel community, gospel mission. And so I just want to touch, touch real briefly on what it looks like when we remove one of those. All right, And so if we were to have community and mission, but remove us being formed in the gospel, like we don't need to have knowledge of God's word. We don't need to be formed and discipled in that. What does that start to look like? What do you guys think? Community, mission, no gospel. Right? Yeah. yeah. Humanitarianism, social activist social groups. Yeah. We right. become the savior then, right? And we're coming in and helping you, making all things right for you, instead of pointing them to one who will ultimately make all things right. And that's huge that you say that because a lot of people will go that route thinking that's what's going to shape their identity, right? That's what's going to give me value. That's what's going to give me significance. If I'm a social activist and I do enough good things for the community, for the world, then I feel good about myself. And maybe if there is a God, there might be a little bit of redemption for me down the road, right? Yeah, great. What about this? What if we have formation and we have community but we don't have a mission. What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah, and I love it, the phrase even. Like, mm. we go to church. We're church goers, church attenders, um, but we, we fail to see that we are the church mm-hmm. and that it affects all of life outside of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so it just becomes this personal relationship, right? Which there is. You get a personal relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. too, but it's more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. 
So heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. You've heard of that, right? Mm. It's that sense of like, I can't wait to get snatched out of the world, which is kind of like, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sensing a theme here, the self-righteousness. All right, so what about formation and mission? No community. Yeah. I always think of the street evangelist. Sits on the corner, right? It's like, there's really no good news that's coming from that. Very isolated. Just that that's an extreme, but. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was waiting for it to come back up. This is good. I. We should do this more often because we don't have to write sermons anymore. Um. I, yeah, this is so good, you guys. I think, so l- let me say this, and, and I say it out of love, okay, as, as your brother. I say this completely out of love. I, I said that we are striving for that sweet spot of all three overlapping, right? Um, but w- the reality is we often fail at it. We all do, every one of us. And so I think my, my personal assessment of our missional communities that make up Missio Peoria uh, is that many of us either have formation and community really strong. And so it kind of looks like a, a Bible study. We're getting together, we're eating, and we're maybe studying something in the text. But what we're studying, we're not necessarily living out. And I just want to say, like, if you aren't becoming that community on mission, if you aren't living out, what Jesus is trying to form you to do and to be, then you have to ask the question, like, are we really being formed well? Right? Are we really being formed in this gospel if we're not living what the gospel teaches? Uh, or a lot of us are, are really good with the formation mission side, but we lack the community side. And so, you know, we, we are really gung-ho about we're going to love on these refugees. We're going to love on this school. We're going to love on these foster kids. We're going to love on our neighbors. Um, but, like, it's not, we're, we're not really having all things in common there for one another, sharing one another's burdens. It's like, I'll, I'll see you next Sunday. I'll see you a week from now, right? But, you know, when you're struggling with something in the week, like, you don't feel like you can go to those people. And so what really are we bringing people into if, if we aren't really uh, f- formed in a community that God has saved us into he's saved us as a people as his children 
brothers and sisters, that's what we're calling people into. That's a foretaste of the kingdom when Jesus returns. Uh, and if we don't have that to invite them into, then we're not really giving them the whole gospel either. Mm. And so I just want to say, like, we can't, be, we can't be a community on mission if we aren't formed by the gospel. But if you're being formed by the gospel, like truly formed, then you'll have to be a community on mission because that's part of it. That's what Jesus has called us into. And so what we want to do right now is, is break into groups again. Uh, and so last week we did this, and we talked about how do you see those identities lived out from the church in Acts. But the, the topic today, this morning, is what would this type of community on mission, formed by the gospel, look like today for us? And so you can be speaking about uh, specifically your own missional community, or you can just be speaking about in general us as a church, as Missio, uh, or just what the church, 2019 America, could look like living these things out together. Because you're going to be with people probably not in your missional community, maybe not in a missional community, and so that's okay. But have those conversations of what would this type of Acts 2 church, a family of servant missionaries learning to follow Jesus in all of life, being formed as a community on mission, what does that look like in 2019 in the West Valley of Phoenix, Arizona? And so go ahead and grab a couple of people and do that. Here's an example of that. Yep, yep. All right. So let's just take a couple, gather back around real quickly. Um, Let's just take a few minutes, uh, the time that we have, and just share out a little bit. I'm sure there was good discussion going on. We'd love to hear that. How would that look, living as a family of servant missionaries formed in community on God's mission? What does that look like in our context today? Or what, I should say, even what could it look like? Because maybe you're in your groups and you're thinking, wow, it could look like this. Maybe we haven't done this, but it could look like that. And that, so that's good stuff too. We want to hear that. So a couple thoughts. Steve? plus. Your group passed. Next group. And just one comment on that too, Steve, is what Chris was talking about earlier. When you start looking at those circles, you're like, oh man, we're, we're, I'm not living in that sweet spot. You know, there can be the sense of like, I didn't do enough, or um, I haven't led well, or whatever that might look like. You, the importance of going back and going, wait a minute, look at what Christ has done. Look at his work. Look at who you are because of that. Then, because of who you are in Christ and the power of the Spirit living in you, now you get to live this way. And so, if you blew it this week, isn't that great that Jesus restores us again, forgives us again, empowers us anew? We get to go now in His strength and His power to do this for His sake. That is super good. Good news. 
Other thoughts? You heard happy hour? Yeah, what is the Spirit already doing in your everyday stuff of life, right? Yeah. That's good. Maybe one more. Well, let me give you one example, and we're going to take this through. uh, This one example comes from obviously, the life of Christ and how we're going to see this play out through the gospel of Luke. So, um, one way that we live as a community on God's mission is just to share our table with others, inviting people into our lives over a shared meal. I'm just going to real quickly give you some of these passages that we see in Luke, and we're going to, as we go through this gospel, we're going to unfold this a lot better, but in Luke 5, we see Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners. We see in Luke 7 that Jesus um, is sharing a meal with the Pharisees. And there's ministry. That's when uh, um, the, the woman comes in and anoints Christ with her hair and the expensive ointment. We see in Luke 9 that Jesus feeds the 5,000. The opportunities for the good news and the mission of God to be at play. In Luke 10, Jesus eats in the home of Mary and Martha, sharing the importance of rest uh, with an over-anxiousness in the culture. In Luke 14, Jesus shares about the parable of a large banquet and urges people to invite the poor, the least, the lost, the left out into table fellowship with them. Luke 22, Jesus shares the Last Supper with his disciples, even including Judas. In Luke 24, Jesus eats fish with his friends after he has risen from the grave. And even in Revelation 19, we see that there is this this description of this marriage banquet when the people of God feast together to symbolize what Jesus has done to restore all things. Food, a meal, super important. As we said last week, we see that Jesus is always eating his way through the Gospels. And if you're wondering, how is a, what is one tangible, easy thing that I could do to display my identity as a family of servant missionaries learning to walk in God's ways is to open up your home. Open up your table, invite people in, neighbors, colleagues, those who don't know Christ, it's simple, it's easy to do. Food is great. 
Food puts us at ease, doesn't it? You ever been to a party and everyone has a cup in their hand, right? You get something in your hand, you kind of relax a little bit. Food seems to do that. It breaks down barriers. And I want to encourage us that, and we've said this before, that sharing your table is a great way of just sharing your life. And people are going to see and hear the good news in and through you as you're sharing life with them. So that's just one tangible way of doing that. And there is definitely, as you shared um, out, a lot more happening in our lives and things that God is doing. Um, But even through this Gospel of Luke, we're going to see how that is not only a tangible way of doing it, but it's pretty prominent. It's super important for Jesus to be sharing ministry, to be sharing the gospel over food. And we'll unpack that more as we go through the gospel. Yeah. Jesus invites us to do the same thing. And not only that, but scripture calls us to be hospitable. Uh, And so we think of hospitality as like, I'm going to be a good host when my friends or my family or the people I love hanging out with come into my home, then I'll be a good host, right? Uh, But hospitality, and Wade and I were having this conversation, he was pointing out to me that the the meaning of that word hospitality goes so much deeper than that, that it includes uh, inviting in the least, the lost, the left out. That it's it's thinking about who am I going to have at the table that I don't really want at the table, Mm. right? Uh, But because that's what Jesus did for us, that he invites us to his table. That as Wade pointed out, even Judas and as we know, Scripture tells us Jesus knew exactly what he was about to do. But in that last meal, he breaks bread with the person who's about to betray him over to murder. Like, that blows me away. And Jesus has invited us, who were once his enemies, to the table with him, too. And so with that, I want to just kind of leave us with this challenge, with this question. And you may want to write it down, because I know the, the last question... Um, when we broke up into groups, we were like, wait, what are we supposed to talk about again? And so this is an important one, so write it down. Um, and while you're, you're getting out your phones or your pens or whatever you need to write down with, I want to read this to you. This is from Isaiah 58. And God is talking to his people, to Israel, and he's talking about what kind of fasting he really accepts and what kind of religion he really accepts. And in verse 7, he says this, it is this, or he said, is it, not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house that when you see the naked to cover him and to not hide yourself from your own flesh. God, God is constantly, even the God of the Old Testament, it's the same God, has constantly been calling his people to be ones who welcome others in. And so your question is this, and I want you to pick a day in the very near future. And so for many of you, uh, Super Bowl is coming up. This could be a great opportunity to do this. But maybe it's like next week, next Wednesday night, whatever. Pick a meal in the very near future that you're going to have in your home. And the question is, who's going to be sitting at the table with us? And so if you have kids, write your kids down. Uh, A spouse, write your spouse down. If, you're, if it's a meal with your missional community, you're choosing a night that you're sharing a meal with your missional community, write those people down. But then I want you to ask this, who, who do I not want to invite? Who do I not want to share my table with? And when you ask that question, it could be uh, someone that you've had an argument with. It could be a family member. It could be a neighbor. Uh, you, just, you don't know them yet, and it's weird for you, right? could be 
someone who might find themselves in that category the least or the lost or the left out. Yeah. I don't I don't really want that's weird. I don't want them at my table. And when that person comes to mind, what we want you to do is we want you to pray and ask the spirit. Jesus, is this someone that you would have had a dinner with? And Jesus, are you wanting me to share a meal with this person? And so I want to leave you guys with that. that that's our, our challenge as we go today. Have that conversation with your family as you leave here. Have that conversation with your missional community. Have that conversation with God. But that is the question. Pick a, a specific day, a specific meal, and ask the question, who's going to be at that table with us? That's it. Just share a meal. Share your table. Uh, because as Wade pointed out, this is what Jesus did. The king of the universe, the God of all creation, the one who we had separated ourselves from in our rebellion, we turned away from him. We made ourselves enemies of the one who gives life, chose to identify with humanity fully, and comes down and enters into our world that we have made a mess of. It's his world, but the, the world that we have brought destruction and sin and death into. And he enters into that mess. And what does he do? His very practical things like eat with people. But in that time, the power of his kingdom, the power of his spirit, the power of his word does some very miraculous things. And that same spirit is with you and I if we follow Jesus. That's what we read at the end of Luke 24. That same spirit, that same power is within each of us who have said we are following you, Jesus. And so we get to do the very practical stuff of life like sharing meals with people. And the spirit of God is there with us willing to do some very miraculous and powerful things, like breathe life into those who were dead, like make children out of those who were enemies, and they become our brothers and our sisters, and they get to call God, the creator of all the universe, their dad. That's pretty powerful. And so pray with me that we would be a people who live into that this year. Father, we ask that... Your word that nourishes us would transform us daily. God, we have received and accepted, and many of us in here at least, uh, hopefully all of us have received and accepted this truth, this good news that Jesus has come to, to destroy sin and death and Satan, to restore this creation, to uh, save us, bring us back into a relationship with you, God. But we daily... We daily long to grow in that truth. We daily need to turn to that truth and turn away from other lies that we hear in our world. And we daily need to be renewed by that truth. You have given us a new identity, and now we need your spirit to give us the power to walk in that identity. As Ephesians says, to walk in the good works that you've already prepared beforehand. And so it's by your grace, by your spirit that we walk. We pray that we would walk well this year. We pray that as we go from this place, we would go in your power and in your name and in the identity that you have given us to be a salt and a light to this world, to be a city on a hill, to be a family of servant missionaries who are constantly learning to follow you, Jesus, in all areas of life. And we ask this in the power and in the name of 
the Son, Jesus, to the glory of the Father. Amen.